Hello everyone, I am Stephen Drew, and if you're in this heatwave, we will get through it together. Probably by the time this comes out, there won't even be a heatwave anymore. So I may as well stop talking about it. More importantly than the heatwave and the sweltering conditions that I'm in, I've got a fantastic guest all the way around from the world, which I've worked from before, who is an author, who's written a book about supporting and building careers in architecture. So I need to take some notes because that's part of the mantra of the Architecture Social and learn a little bit myself. But I've got the fantastic Joseph, or Joe as I know him, Joe Healy here. <laughs> Joe, how are you? Very well, Steve. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, pretty good, thank you. Speaking to you from uh, chilly Melbourne in Australia. It's middle of the winter and there's no heat wave here for sure. Amazing. Thank you, Joe. I, you're very patient as well. For context, this is the second time we're recording the podcast <laughs> because my first one corrupted and you have the you are the most patient person to come back and, and do it again. But I'm so yeah. pleased you are. And that passion transcends into uh, what you've done in writing a book. Now, I'm not very good at writing as well, so perhaps you could tell me a little bit about how you've done that. But just before you do, we should let people know the how me and you know each other. So maybe, Joe, like you can do me the honors, making my life easier, host, and tell everyone how you have the misfortune, or fortune, I don't know, up to you, um, of how we know each other, and then we can build from there. Um, I can't even remember the year, but it's got to be looking at, say, <laughs> 2000 and... Um, seven-ish, where I was working yeah. in EPR Architects back in Westminster, yeah. London town, and I think you you came through the door maybe 2008 or nine as a grad, um, yeah. and um, I think I could hear you before I could see you, for sure, <laughs> and our uh, no. blossoming friendship went from there. It was great, good times in the office, and um, yeah, I remember you struck up a good friendship as you did with everybody, really. Oh, there you go. Well, well, we I was on one team, right, and you were on the other, but our tables were next to each other. So I, I used to try and get in on the bants with you guys, the kind of the cool kids. But I also liked my team, my team as well. And I and it was interesting, Joe, because um, in my my head, you were one of the technical guys, right? And and I, I think probably worth noting for everyone here is that you know it was amazing about offices like EPR is that, you know, there's a lot of cross-collaboration. You're a qualified chartered architectural technologist, isn't it? So Correct. you have your MCIAT, right? So for anyone that is not familiar with the distinction between, you know, becoming a registered architect and a chartered architectural technologist, can you maybe elaborate a bit on that joke? Because I think it's really useful for people to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I guess it's certainly, as you say, the, the technical side of the industry. Um, originally, it was like a branch off from Reba. Back in the 60s, it was under a oh, different really? acronym, um, but it was um, an institute for the technicians, basically. So through the 80s and 90s, it was always described as like the technicians were a bit of a separate breed, and that sort of changed its terminology over the years, and now it's technologists. Basically, it just means, yeah, right. you're down the more construction side, the building technology side, instead of the, the pure architecture which I first studied at university, but then changing mm. a few modules here and there came out with architectural technology instead. So it just leans you down that route. 
that's really interesting actually and so you you, you um yeah because you, you you did architecture which is great and then you found what what you're interested in and fortunately for your interest that you then have to suffer technical questions from a part one like me going hey joe how, how, do, how does this work but uh that's what you enjoyed right i remember you were really good at that and you were very um selfless with with your time but do you do you so it is the technical aspects that you love then, Joe. Is that a fair comment then? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Well, I don't remember you bugging me at all, but um, I guess everyone in the industry enjoys certain things and doesn't enjoy other right. things. Um, so, you know, there's always a, a variety. But yeah, I was, I was in with the, the detailing pretty quickly, trying to draw the little pretty pictures of detailing and sort of searching the websites for all the, all the details you could download there. And soon, you know, perhaps you realise... You're getting some success at some things and you're getting a few failures at yeah. other things. So the failures push you further away and the successes drag you along. So, yeah, stuck on the technical side. And that's, I suppose, carried me through a few years now with various jobs, being the, being the technical know-how or trying to anyway. Amazing. And look, there's so many things we can unpack. Just before we do that, though, there's an art form to the reason why you didn't know me doing all the asking all the questions, because I definitely did. What you've got to do, and for anyone that's joining an architectural practice, especially if you're a graduate, because that's how, what we're talking about here as well, isn't it, Joe? I think I think top tip number one, which is an indirect tip, is probably get to know the people that you're working with. And if anyone's got a wealth of knowledge, build a rapport with them, get to know them on a personal level. Because then when you want to ask a few questions, it's it, 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 the person's more likely to help you, right? I think that's a good that's a good sentiment. But I always used to remember that I used to get teased by the chap in IT, which was also at the desk. And I've forgotten his name now, but he always used to tease me about my music sense, and we all used to have a giggle about it. It's gone. I forget. I forget the name. There, Anyways, there a I few, dig but yeah, let, let's not pick him out too much. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't want to have a copyright strike or might, anything might for listening. names from he might be listening well i i did enjoy his company then anyways i think it's good to make i mean that's one of the most important tips i always say to people getting in the industry is especially and i think one thing epr did really well is that it's good to have part one starting at the same time because you're kind of in it together but at the same time, you don't just stick to your part ones mm. because I, everyone's super friendly, especially in architecture. And I do think as well, um, what I've learned is wealth of knowledge like yourself who's an architectural technologist, technologist in the office can be really useful. But moving on from that, Joe, because this uh, story of you know us having banter in the office, um, it's, it, it kind of came to a crescendo. It ended, right? Um, partly because I went to do my part two, but for dramatic sake, I'll turn the table on you and say it's because you left me, Joe. You left me, mate, and you you went to another country, right? So I, I'm i joking. I think it's, it's awesome that you did that, but that would be really cool for you to expand upon as well because uh, I wouldn't... I've gone to somewhere... I, I've never thought about going to Dubai, but I've known a lot of people that have done it and who love it and are constantly inviting me out there. But wh where did that all come about, mate? Were you thinking about the change or was there a job offer out there? Or Tell me all about it. Yeah, well, as you're saying, when you have sort of connections that mention it, I certainly think you can, yeah. you, you, 
you could and should jump on those pretty quickly because it's often that they'll just put in a good word for you and the companies around them say, oh, we need some people with these skills or these skills. And you just kind of tag along yeah. with that. So the connections yeah. and who you know is is crucial. But in, in my story, yeah, it was um, probably seven or eight years at EPR, which was great. I learned a lot there, certainly, as we've said, with yeah. the detailing side of things and, and that kind of uh, role in <clears throat> projects was very useful. Um, but mm-hmm. it just also showed me that... Um, you could get a little bit trapped in certain typologies. I suppose EPR was very strong at sort of offices and hotels at the time. I know they still are, mm-hmm. but you could get a bit mm-hmm. pigeonholed in that. And I thought, you know, I want to break out in terms of a different place, um, as great as London yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. just thought I'd have my years there, so let's move on, take a different challenge. And I had a couple of people who had moved out to the UAE working in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. And again, they were just saying, yeah, there's some options out there. So it's a case of just actually finding the HR person on LinkedIn, and kind of oh uh, wow and, and was that simple was it them the... really, just saying hey um i'm interested in, in work out there is it a good timing and 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 sometimes they might say no it's not good timing sorry we've got nothing on but in this particular case yeah. they said yeah we're hiring we need technical knowledge and my technical knowledge wasn't going to instantly transfer to the middle east but it's something and, and luckily there they generally follow american standards and uk standards and therefore you got a, uh... a decent foot in the door so that was the reason, yeah, just take a jump, do something different. If it goes wrong, you can always come back home six months later and, and get back to what you were doing. Absolutely, and I think what well, a great way to, I agree with you because I think that it's sometimes, on one hand, it's really good to be in an architecture practice for a long period of time, it's just you're loyal, dedicated, that's good, but you're right, sometimes I think some architecture practices, there's, there's a way of doing architecture, isn't there? And I think that if you go to other architecture practices, it, it, some of those uh, preconceptions which you've made of that's the way to do it get challenged. So I can imagine, you know, uh, you've seen the EPR again, so you've been in Cox Architecture as well, which is quite cool. So it's quite interesting to see all those styles. But just before we crack on with that, Joe, what I'd love to know, I always, when people say relocate and stuff, I always like to go through it. Was it really that simple where you just kind of packed everything up um, after you spoke to HR, you went for one or two interviews, right? But what was the actual process of moving from the UK to Dubai like? Was it easy or was it a lot of red tape, a lot of work? Just tra- travel light, first of all. I didn't really take much. Um, but <laughs> it, it was it was first, yeah, organizing this contact through LinkedIn, basically, and then sort of getting an invite to maybe visit out there, first of all. And I had, had, the, had yeah. the option to visit out there. So I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll book a flight, get out there, have the interview. I actually had two other interviews as well, just as a bit of a backup. Um, but yeah, there's a fair yeah. bit of red tape to go through with the Middle East, um, just visas and right. um, passport things, but then translation, of course, into Arabic as well, fair bit of that sort of thing. And these things can take a bit right. of time, depending on what time of year it is. It might be over Ramadan, different things like that, that just in different countries might be fast or slow, just the way it is. Um, so within a few weeks, um, again, getting back home and eventually getting the job offer, which again, always takes a little bit longer than you would think. And upon accepting right. it, it was just thinking, well, I don't need to take everything in my life, but I'll take what is ex- what is uh, essentially going to be potentially an extended holiday. So pack for a few months worth and then you can always buy whatever else you need out there. So yeah, after the red tape gets done, you, you're just sort of packing for <laughs> a holiday maybe. <laughs> and you go from there. Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah. Brilliant. Very interesting. Because you were, so you worked in Dubai for like four years. So what is it like different culturally? You suppose you don't have any loud uh, Welsh part ones there and <laughs> the banter from the IT crowd and stuff. So what what how did, what what is like, because I imagine if I'm sitting down in the job, is it quite similar? 
to the UK? Because I hear that you've got British expats and stuff like that, communities out there, or is it a totally different climate once you're out there, Joe? Is it? Yeah, it's, is it it's weird. There's, there's some very similar, some very different. So what I learned pretty quickly when I was out there that um, it's a country of about nearly 5 million people at the time, and there was over 150,000 Brits there already just living the life out there, often a lot of them making a lot of money in finance or property and things, um, and a, a fair yeah. few in architecture as well. But you'll be surprised, maybe not surprised, maybe um, delighted to know there was a fair bit of Welsh out there, a fair few Welsh people, a lot from uh, uh, Manchester uh. and Liverpool and a fair few from Middlesbrough on recollection. So you meet all sorts of people from anywhere, um, but that's part of the, the melting pot um, of UAE. So some things were very sort of similar and the office atmosphere was generally quite similar, a little bit quieter, of course. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you meet, meet more people from all around the world. Nearly every country in the world is represented there. Obviously, the heat is quite extreme in the summer. Um, the sort of holiday options are all quite different. Um, but working culture, fairly similar because I was working for an American company and therefore, you know, the, the culture is not too different from the UK. Um, there's a, a um, fair blend of everything. Yeah. Fair play. I am. Um... I would love to do it at some point. I think it's it's quite. I'm sure it's quite rewarding. So after four years, um, so you you saw your fair share of Dubai, right? But you've kind of done another loop around the world now, isn't it? You definitely got your kicks. Very smart, just before the pandemic. <laughs> uh, it's perfect timing, actually. And another opportunity presented itself in in Australia, right? Which is very interesting as well and you have a large architectural community there and i'm aware of because a lot of um as, as well a lot of architectural practices in the uk joe they have kind of satellite offices or not even satellite offices they have proper architectural offices in australia mm -hmm. as well so how did that all come about was it a similar thing where you you spoke to the hr or did you have like a mate um out there who was like come on joe we need yours you know, your your skills in Australia? Um, well, Australia is a pretty developing kind of economy in terms of, of um, size and population because Sydney and Melbourne massively expanded. But this time, no, it was, it was even luckier. Yeah. Basically, I'd got married by then and my wife had an offer of a, of a work transfer out here. So she had worked for... Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she had Did you meet for, in Dubai, you both? Oh, we, we originally met at university. Wow, that's like going way back. She, way yeah, she, back. she studied architecture as well. So I, I guess I had my eye on her a little bit there. Um, but it was quite uh, a few years later we actually got together. And then, yeah, by that time, um, she had moved to UAE as well. Um, then yeah. after leaving UAE, we did a few months of travel. And then she was still in touch, technically on secondment with her, her company. Um, and then was able to come back um, and got an offer for uh, Melbourne to work on the railway, the um, sustainability sort of um, angle on the oh, railway wow. developments here. So she brought us out here and I was able just to realize there's lots of options for architecture jobs. And um, yeah, hence Cox Architecture was a great option. So I joined them pretty quick. They're pretty big on um, sort of sports stadiums um, and uh, yeah, big sort of residential cool. towers, things like that. Um, so yeah, it was a good start. Yeah. But yeah, just again, take the opportunity when it comes along. We said to each other, this might not work. It might be too far away from home. Um, we might come back within six months, but now it's nearly three years later. So you never quite know what's around the corner. Take the jump and see what happens. You can always go back. Good for you, I say. it's um, You know what you were thinking about earlier about we were talking about the cultures and getting involved. You know what drives and somewhat non-architectural related, but makes sense. And I think you'll get what I mean, right? 
I always find it mad. You know, when you, you see all these holidays or Brits on tour and then where they go to a different like country and then the first thing they do as a Brit is go into a British pub. I'm just like, what are you doing? Explore the culture, right? Explore the culture. So I agree with you. I think you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta jump deep into these cultures. But you've been welcomed in both in Dubai and Australia, right? If you just go along and I'm sure work hard and get involved and it sounds good but yeah. i gotta be honest as a loud welsh person i imagine the australians would be a bit more re receptive to my sense of humor whereas i'm worried in dubai everyone would hear me down the road right could do yeah but you're it, it, it's friendliness that, that that counts with you steve you know it's uh the fact that you've got uh, a, a smiling approachable kind of manner and that's that's good anywhere so it was lucky that, particularly in Australia, it's a kind of a British um, sort of style culture, I suppose you could say. But even in UAE, uh, with the amount of Brits I mentioned, you know, you do find Brits everywhere. So that, that's a lucky, yeah. lucky for us that you generally can travel anywhere in the world and you'll find Brits. Um, but yeah, you'll find in yeah. architecture, as you mentioned at the start, that everyone's pretty, pretty decent, usually pretty decent people in, in the industry. And there's a lot of people uh, willing to help you out and a lot of people you can you can latch on to as well, as you said earlier, to help you through your career. Very cool. Very good to know that the world is receptive to loud Welsh um, <laughs> people like like myself. Definitely. Um, I don't know where this sense of humour's come from. I think it's the heat. I'm boiling you. I'm not equipped for it, Joe. Um, sounds really interesting, right? So on this note, Joe, as well, because I want to talk about your book in a bit, but I'm just kind of going along the path, and I guess I've always been interested in travelling as well because i I done a bit of that, um, especially before the pandemic. And my thoughts were traveling is enriching for the soul and everything, like you said, you know, you, you've got these, uh, like, I, I don't know whether it's like, when I remember when I was growing up in Wales and like I got a job in London, right? And the first thing I did is said, oh, all right, boys, I'm, I'm you know, I go, I'm going to study in, 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 in London. And this is before I joined EPR. And they were like, oh, Steve. I'm like, what? And they're like, you know, they don't like us over there, right? What you doing? Stay in Wales. And that's like the load of rubbish, Joe. You know, it was like the biggest load of rubbish. In London, I had the greatest time. Everyone was super accepting. So I always, I agree with you, especially like traveling. I mean, it's not, I, I'm talking about my like little adventure, like a hobbit here, actually going from Wales to, to London's not a big, a, a bigger journey. But in essence, everyone's welcoming, right? So you know, if, if in doubt, take the jump. But you took another jump, Joe, as well, because we talked about all your architectural skills in terms of technology, what you've done, you know, helping out on specification writing, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Now you work for MBS Australia. And for anyone that's not familiar with it, MBS is, is part of specification writing, isn't it? Now, um, in your words, because I'm a bit, I'm, I am used MBS spec for a while, and I think when I did try and use it years ago, I think he would have looked at what I'd done and gone, "Do you know what, Steve? Just let me go on it. It's fine. I'll sort it out for you." That wasn't the best of that stuff, but tell us all about the M what MBS is and what your role is at MBS. <clears throat> Um, yeah, the company's pretty pretty big in the UK. Um, so, like you said, in the specification yeah. area. Um, 
specifications were boring. I think when when we were in, in the office together, they're, but they've transitioned <laughs> now. They're a lot more exciting. Yeah. They're a lot more involved now. A bit more connected with the technology. There's um, there's model right. integration, uh, kicking out schedules from the specifications as well. So it's it's really taken a bit of a, a change. Um, and the the main office is up in Newcastle in in, in UK. Um, lovely big yep. office up there in a converted old post office, which I've just visited once. Uh. Um, yeah, it's a really, really pretty good company, and they just set up in Canada and Australia about sort of five years ago. Um, so just sort of developing the platforms out here, which is MBS Chorus being the um, the uh, specification writing platform, and that links into something called MBS Source, which is where you um, can grab loads of manufacturer products and, and put them straight into your spec, and therefore those products transfer through to the rest of your schedules and drawings. So it's taken an exciting turn, twist. There you go. Well, that, and I think that's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think if you follow your passions or what comes, uh, what you find stimulating, then as far as I'm concerned, it does, you don't need to go on the traditional trajectory. I mean, if you do want to go on the traditional trajectory, then amazing. But at the same time, there's so much you can do with an architectural degree in, in yeah. any shape yeah. or form. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I speak to people on this subject about people who have gone into journalism. I mean, I've gone into recruitment. That wouldn't be the top of the list I would recommend. Maybe I'd look at working for MBS first or, 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 or you know, journalism. Or I know people who run their own business. Actually, a programmer I know who does a lot of scripts for boots and companies like Lloyds Bank. <clears throat> He studied architecture and, and they like him as a as a scripter because of the way he envisions things, Joe. Maybe it's that spatial perception that we're trained in architecture. So I mean I love that your 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 journey has led you to where you are. But what's even more su surprising in a good way? So I'm surprised as in I'm impressed and surprised that you managed to squeeze the time to do this while you're you know you're cracking away at mbs and the companies you worked before is you've written a book now joe quick confession before that because writing was not my forte <laughs> uh, especially if you've got a short attention span i struggle with it right so this is a proper book that you've written because it has more than five pages that's me so i'm looking at it's 328 <laughs> pages it's on Amazon, and I'll put the link into the bio. People can look at it Thank and you. all that stuff after. Um, but this is a proper book talking about architecture careers, right? So do you want to tell us about the book and maybe why you felt like you wanted to write this book and what the journey was like in writing the book as well? Yeah, yeah. Um... I would say it wasn't. It's not that impressive because we were in lockdown, so it was something to do. In some way. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, oh, I, it was I a good lockdown book. It was a bit of a but lockdown project. Yeah, I suppose I had a few, a bit of an idea yeah. about it over the years because I'd done a lot of mentoring through um, through SEAT actually, a fair bit of mentoring okay. of younger staff and just to kind of help them through what is when I was looking back at my early years, some things that you just be a bit embarrassed that you didn't know when you're sort of three or four years into your career and then you feel like you can't ask because yeah. it's such an obvious question so did a lot of that kind of thing yeah, yeah, and realized yeah. there's just not that base level introduction to say 
that the industry mm. is too big to learn everything straight away. It's too big to even learn in the mm. first five years, but you can have a sort of broad understanding and that gets you through certain to a certain stage before you can then sort of specialize. So all that mentoring, I guess, came in handy when thinking, well, I could sort of pen all this together. Like I say, we were in lockdown, the whole world was, and, and certainly Melbourne had its fair share of lockdowns. So um, over the course of a few months, just started writing a few different chapters and then gradually cobbled it all together into three sections, got a bit of advice and a bit of kind of proofreading from, from friends and people. And yeah, just thought I'll, I'll throw this together and yeah, a bit of a, bit of a personal lockdown project really, as much as trying to get it out into the market. But, um, it was, it was nice to write about because then you can have some freedom to, to invent whichever chapters you want and, um, and yeah, write whatever I want to write <laughs> without, without naming too many names. I love it. I think that's amazing. So, well, I'll give you a clap for being a journalist. You know? <laughs> you, you, you've done it. You're an author. Not journalist. You're an author, um, which is great. So you've got Stephen King and yourself, Joe. You know, fair, fair dues. I, um, I'm impressed by that. And obviously, people need to read the book to kind of go to have a deeper understanding. Now, I've because I don't have an attention span like yourself, I do a lot of um, podcasts and, and, and videos. And it's great because I get to speak to people like you. When I've done a few series before on like videos, I would start with the process of, I, I look at it more up on designing the cover letter, designing a CV, a portfolio. So I've been someone that I've known closely uses the, the phrase that, I'm the equivalent of a front end designer. You know, I don't talk about the technical details because that's stuff that you do, but I, I mainly advise on CVs, portfolios, interviews, techniques as well. And obviously people can read your book to kind of get the, the full detail of it, but maybe it would be cool if you can just give us a bit of an overview of maybe where you started with the book or how it was broken down and maybe the arc of the journey over the book. I'd be very curious to learn more about mm, that. Sure. Yeah. Um, it did transition over the whole sort of period. So I wasn't quite sure what form it was going to take, but I gradually thought let's keep it into say three manageable sections. So you can sort of jump around a bit. So the first section is basically how the industry works, trying to explain the basics of how a project is, is procured and how it's all sort of put together, who's involved, mm -hmm. what the stages are. And, you know, again, you can't go into too much detail because there can be an entire book just read about the tender process or an entire yeah. book just about contracts that sort of thing so trying to give a good overview you know the, the title of the book is um building a career in architecture what to expect in your early years so it's just trying to cover the basis for young professionals to say well at least i know broadly what's going on so that that first section was about the industry overall and, and how projects work the second uh, bit was where i took um took the sort of option to gather lots of opinions from uh, colleagues and friends uh, from around the world and over the years who've worked in architecture. So mm. I asked loads of friends to um, just write about 150 words of what advice you would give to young people about the architecture industry. So there's about 20 people in there who have written their little passage, which is nice just to hear their thoughts as well, not only mine. And then just chose the option to um, write a bit about some famous buildings, ones that I really like and have visited and some that I've uh, visited and not liked and some that I just really admire anyway just some creative writing about some some lovely buildings that kind of thing um, there's a few like famous architectural quotes in there as well a little passage about sort of famous architects and their 
their quotes, just to try and sort of put into the mind about what the real big thinkers um, sort of say. And then the final part, part three, um, is just effectively my career story. So it just runs through a lot of memories of like a fair few EPR memories about how the office worked, who was the who were the nice people, who were the slightly not so nice people, not gonna name the names. Mm. Um, but you know, you, you've just mm. got to tackle that sort of thing in the office about office culture, how to behave, um, how you sort of navigate your way through through the projects and through the actual staff you're working with. So it was just my story, I suppose, as to funny memories that have come out of that and how I changed those jobs uh, uh, internationally. Um, and yeah, some of the projects I worked on, um, just a bit of a bit of a, a chronological run through really. So that about, that about wraps it up really. I love it. No I need think, to buy yeah, it. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. It's like 300 pages there. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, it goes into a lot. Well, I think it's the nuances of stuff, isn't it? And I think that what I think is precious about a book and maybe why I think like, I, at some point, I would like to get around to it because I think, especially at the moment, we're in this fast culture, right? TikTok, Instagram, 30 seconds. You kind of can't get under the skin in 30 seconds. You know, you need, that's where the book, it's got layers <clears throat> and experience and, and nuances. And I think that's what's really important about it. And the, and the other thing I quite like about a book, actually, is that cost to, to value is quite it's quite cost effective, right? I imagine I'm looking at it now. This is like $30 um, worth Australian dollars. I'll have a look where it's on, on Amazon UK, but I think for the bulk of the content you're getting, it's pretty good. And <laughs> it's, it's tough to work. Yeah, no, I, I do. And about maybe, yeah, 14 pounds or something like that. And I thought, well, is this worth like two or three pints of beer? I don't know. Or, um, well, like, I think so. The books are generally between, say, 10 and 20 quid. So, you know, very tough. I to think so. Uh, uh, and yeah. I've got to be careful because I might have a rant in the heat. And you have to bring <laughs> me back in, cool. Joe. I like that. I'm, I'm like the host unleashed. But um, what I've learned is as well, there's a big misconception out there because I think a lot of free resources, they're free for a reason. Um, and, it's, and it's very hard to do anything substantial, in my opinion, that's free. And I've learned that. I mean, I... So a lot of the content I do with the architecture social is free to all, but then um, th there's a few reasons for that. It's because I, I like building up YouTube because it can go to a larger um, share of people there. But truthfully, it's it, it's hard to go one-on-one -on -one or case-by-case -case scenario. So I try to put out content, which is the catch for all. But then the truth is, Joe, that architecture... It's like you said, it's it's very, uh, in terms of your book, it's, it's driven by experiences. And I think that it really helps to have a wealth of people from to have uh, different perspectives where you can kind of see different things and then you can you can kind of soak up all their information. So a rant with the heat over, but I do think that the proposition of what you've done and the low cost of entry makes a lot of sense. So, um, what I was going to say here now is because we have a bit of fun. So it's like we've got to 30 minutes um, and this is the second time you've recorded one because I messed up the first one. And maybe we can have a bit of fun with this, right? Do you have any questions for me um, as well that you, you can ask and we can ping pong off each other um, at all? Well, a lot of questions about your architecture social for sure because something I've just uh, had a bit of a listen okay. to over the last few months, which has been yeah. good. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's crucial to hear everyone's story about architecture, if, if that's the sort of subject, because um, everyone has a slightly different story. You can always pick up little things from different people about how they've done it 
Um, it's become a very wide industry. So I reckon a little mm. little um, uh, wander around your career path is, is good as well. Have wander you covered that? On, have, have you done that on previous pods? Potentially, um, but we'll do it anyways. I mean, I just I was the opposite of you. I was like, um, I just know it. I know um drive personally in conquering technical it wasn't my thing which is bizarre as in so the way that you get excited about solving a complex complex problem and the stuff you overcame at epr and have done you know you've got that passion right where you just you just do it automatically and when or when you when you've overcome that problem you you feel satisfied and you you go on to the next one, but I I didn't have that. But I quite like the architecture. I like being in there, and you know I'm a chatty guy, right? So I kind of was like, what should I do? So I'm not too sure I want to do this. And then I'll go into recruitment, and that's like jumping out of like the frying pan into the fire. As in, it was like, well, okay, I'm not sure about some things there, and I I dropped <coughs> up in recruitment, and then my first job in recruitment, they were there's no training. They were like, hey, good you here. Um, there's a phone, go for it. And you're like, oh my gosh. But it was kind of baptism by fire. And sometimes in sales, it's kind of sink or swim. And until the jury's out, you're one of the new guys, right? And they're just like, I don't know, we'll see which one of the new guys survive. Just totally the opposite of like having been trained in microstation or Revit at EPR and all this stuff. It's just like, it was a really good way of just seeing how the rule book is just completely torn up but it was just like do or die yeah well it, it kind of worked but it, it was not the best way to do it like you know it was you know i'd nearly go home having an aneurysm joe just like oh, i've got to ring these certain people and i'm not sure what i'm doing but in the end it got them anyway so i've done that for eight years the problem is with recruitment is that it's driven and people don't like to talk about recruitment much but Normally, recruitment is you get one or two very specific job requirements, which a company is struggling to get, and they're prepared to pay a recruitment consultant to find that person. And so when you take a brief in recruitment, you're really looking for that person. Now, what happens in that is that you, you meet a lot of awesome people that you can't help at the time. And so I would always meet a part one or part two and maybe someone who applies for a job, which isn't quite the right fit, Joe. And I would try to speak to them for a minute or two, but that's not enough. You know, like we were just talking about with your book, you've got 300 pages in there. People can look on their own well, but what was happening is I would speak to someone for one, two minutes. I would try and impart as much nuggets as I could do, but my job and me, so, so I won't... Make sure I'm not getting sacked. I've got to find a bin manager, right? Or whatever, or or an associate. So the problem is you can't really give that part one and part two the 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 resources they need at that time. And because you're chasing that goal. And so that's the flaw with recruitment, but that's the, the truth of the business. So the architecture social is like my version, I guess, of your book, where I said, right, I need to start building up this resources which are free, where if um, a part one comes my way, I can say, I'm going to be really honest with you. I can't really help you right now, but I've built up all this information that you can go through. It's totally free. And then after that, if you want a one-on-one, -on -one, then I do that at an hourly rate. Or, you know, I can advise on recruitment, one or two things, but have a look at this 
wealth and knowledge. Yeah, you got a lot of lot of things there. Yeah, it's crucial. Yeah, I think there's so many aspects to cover, yeah. as well, isn't there? Because you 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 want that first CV advice, but that, you know, having a great CV doesn't mean you get the job. It's then the next level of what you're going to do when you get to a company, how you're going to sort of impact the company and and sort of do what they request, but then you know a bit more, so they want to keep you as well. It's a it's a tough world to get into. Correct. There's many facets on it. So I tend to uh, I focus more on, on recruitment as in the CV, the portfolio. But you're right. I can't really pretend. I've never done my part three. Um, I, I don't pretend I've done my part three. But, you know, doing that, yeah, I've, I've, I've met a lot of people that have done their part three, pulled their hair out and, you know, all this stuff and, and survive. But I've never done it myself. So and, and like you, you said quite correctly, and I'm going to reiterate that, it's like, it, it, it can go either way. You can you can have all the skills in the world, and if you haven't got a, a good CV and portfolio, or you don't like you did, you message that that HR contact. If you don't have those soft skills to do that, and if you don't have a good CV and portfolio, there's a risk that you're going to get overlooked. So it's cruel on that front. But then it goes the other way as well. It could be that you you, you design an amazing CV and portfolio, but you've got to have the goods to back it up, Joe isn't it so it's it's really it, careers there's so many facets to it and that's I why I timing as well clap. timing as well can be really yeah, cool because you might have you might be aiming for a couple of companies like, like i have done over my career so a few companies i really want to work for I and mean, if i've applied to them the timing isn't quite right and then if you come back a few years later suddenly the timing is right just because the project needs you so of all the companies you apply for often 80 percent the timing isn't right you're the great candidate but but they'll have to just wait a couple of years so it's a long, yeah. long, hard journey ahead, isn't it? That's it. And also, it's um, the human aspect of it. Like, we were talking at the start about this, of having banter, and I enjoy the EPR because, I, you know, it was a bit of work, of course, because, you know, work is work, right? But there was a bit of banter, and I got along with people and stuff. But, you know, equally, I have some friends where they join offices they don't like, and I get that, you know, and it's, we're all humans, and, and sometimes it can click. And sometimes it just doesn't click, and it's a really weird thing. And you can, you just have to, like you said, there's so many variables, and sometimes it just goes wrong, and it's no one's fault. It's just not the right fit. But I do think over time, as you go further in your career, you start learning a little bit more about yourself, isn't it? And I think then when you go to interviews, you start seeing the red flags show because the interviews a two way thing. You're also thinking about the company. And if you want to work there and you you start over time, I think, detecting on, mm, I don't think that place is for me. Yeah. Or, yeah. Ooh, I didn't like, didn't like that bit. But then also you might be like, you go there and you're like, wow, that place is amazing because I've seen a few good places, seen a few not so good places and they look really cool, you know? Yeah. Impossible yeah. To, to know straight away. But I reckon, yeah, the interview process always seems like the toughest bit but um what i've always thought is the interview is just checking what you like as a person what you like as a human being yeah. <laughs> that the the cv stuff and the portfolio has done its job if you're into the interview you might need to talk about the project a bit that you've done and that's where you really light up and really sort of get into it and, and feel feel invigorated by it but the interview process is just to see how you are as a person you know be be open and be you know sort of quite fun and uh, and honest but hard working and that kind of thing it's um Sounds the reason when you meet anybody uh, in any other walk of life, you know, you just want, want to sort of represent the person you are. And hopefully that's a <laughs> positive, fun, loud person who's from Wales. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. 
well, the first half of it made complete sense, and then yeah. you went into madness there. Um, although there's a lot of really good Welsh architects out there. Of You've course. done a lot of good, better job, better job than me. Cardiff Uni was amazing. Um, what was I going to say, Joe? Um, before my brain melts into um, a million different pieces, because I'm not used to the heat like yourself. Um, maybe I need to do a bit more globe trotting, and then I I build up my tolerance. But as I joked about with with you before. Um, I think part of the problem is in London now there's a heat wave. I can't cope. I, my whole um, my whole nervous system seems to break down. But just before um, I, I, my brain fully loses the plot, is there any other questions or thoughts you have, Joe? Before we find we tell people where to find you and, and how to get in touch. Yeah, certainly. Find me on LinkedIn uh, would be probably the best place. I'm uh, not an Instagrammer, unfortunately. Sorry about that. But yeah, LinkedIn is probably the place. And otherwise, um, you can certainly look me up on uh, an MBS as well. I'm happy to have a contact there because I like doing some mentoring here on the side just to sort of hear other people's side of the story. Um, so yeah, hope to hope to see what, what people think. Brilliant. That makes sense. Don't worry about Instagram. Um, I... I'm not the biggest fan of Instagram. <laughs> there you go. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But Mark Zuckerberg, if you are listening to this, um, I am happy to talk about your metaverse on, on the podcast because even though I've said some some uh, tricky things about Facebook and stuff, I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I will happily have you on. But until then, we've got a long way to go. And Joe, you've been an absolute fantastic guest. Joe Sifili, we can... Get people to get in contact with you as well. I want to bring it down to the link in this comment, in this podcast. If you watch this on YouTube, I'll put the link there. If you listen on Spotify, I'll put the link there. But you should check out Joe's book, which is called Building a Career in Architecture. What to expect in your early years for the sacrifice of two pints. You might save yourself a few months <laughs> worth of headaches. So check um, out Joe's book. I'd like book. to hear what, what anyone thinks of it as well, because... Mine's just one yeah. story, and I'd like to hear people kind of read it and challenge it and say, well, that's, that's not quite true, or I don't agree with this. It's all, you know, architecture's definitely worth throwing your hat into the ring, isn't it? Throwing your opinions in, and you've got to form your own your own part in it. So, yeah, it'd be good to know. Cor yeah, correct. And it's on Amazon, and you can review mm -hmm. it. And if you want to mention that you also found this book through that Loud Welshman's podcast, yes. then you can leave that in the, <laughs> um, in the review as well. Thank you so much, Joe. You've been an absolute star. Stay on the stage and I will end the broadcast here now. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thanks, Take care.